Well, I'm excited to jump into our stories today. We've got several different topics we're breaking down. We're hitting on uh, sports and entertainment. We're hitting on uh, sports and entertainment again, and then we're hitting on energy. So let's go ahead and jump in to today's stories. Our first story for the day is leaning into the NFL, the NFL Players Union, and video games. Uh, We're going to touch on a few different topics here. Um, I pulled from a variety of different stories to fill this out because it felt like the thread connected into a few different issues. And we've obviously got our sports extraordinaire, Mr. Tyler Kern, on the line, so he can hopefully give us uh, some insights here for the uninitiated, which would be moi. So (laughs) let's get into it. Madden NFL is not going anywhere. So if you were worried that you weren't going to get Madden 26, well, guess what? Madden 26 is officially slated to exist now. Uh, The deal has been renewed for new Madden NFL video games through 2026. The NFL and the NFL Players Union agreed to a five-year extension of its deal with Electronic Arts, or EA, known more colloquially. They're a a video game producer of the Madden series. So the game is one of the most popular uh, simulation sports ever. since its first iteration in 1989, it sold a total of 130 million copies in its run, and uh, it's the only other series besides FIFA that has also sold over 100 million copies in its run. Uh, the deal is worth about a billion dollars to the NFL and around 500 million to the players, as well as a commitment of around 500 million over those next several years for marketing commitments. Um, so. Uh, this, I think, you know, just on a surface level is cool business deal. Uh, you know, interesting to see how video games uh, have become such a popular arm for uh, the sports industry. Uh, but even within that dynamic, there is some competition that might be popping back up. Uh, so the NFL just recently signed a deal with uh, competitor 2K, which make uh, the NBA 2K series that are also infamously fun. Uh, that is expected to be a non-simulation NFL game coming from 2K. And since at least 2005, EA has had uh, exclusive rights to NFL simulation games. So it'll be a different kind of football game. We're not totally sure what it might be, but uh, seeing as it's coming from 2K, it's going to have that brand name recognition and could start to uh, create some competition if the game is fun enough against the uh, ever-solvent and and ever-resilient Madden games. Mm. Uh, So, Tyler, I don't know if you have any comments context on this or if there's anything you want to add to this deal and what you think it means for the industry but um you know why has madden been able to run for so long without competition and what has really cemented its place as the football simulation game is it really that good is it just that it's the only one with this robust roster of players so people have no choice but to play the madden game because mm-hmm. they want to play an nfl simulation game you know what what are the dynamics with the video game uh, from several different perspectives yeah, so I, I think Madden being the first uh, kind of cemented it, and it had kind of like this this cult place because it utilized the voice of John Madden, who was such a famous football commentator for so, so long. Um, now, kids that are 11 years old and playing the game won't have heard John Madden call games on TV. So I think, I think just the fact that the franchise was able to become such a powerhouse over the years since the first inception of the game in 1989 um that that has really kind of driven its its popularity um just the the ability to continue to grow upon itself and to improve the games uh, over the years 
and to make them more realistic, to make them more lifelike and, and that sort of thing. I, I think the challenge that non-simulation games have in these particular cases is that if you're a non-simulation game, then you aren't able to use um, like the player's likeness and you're not able to create like a replica of the player in the game is my understanding. And so you won't have, you know, Tom Brady on a non-simulation game. It's just like a an NFL football game, but you won't be able to kind of utilize the players in the same way. That's my understanding of it. That could be wrong. This could, you know, be speaking of uh, maybe a different case for how this works. But, you know, when it when it comes to Madden, uh, and esports plays a, a huge role in this in kind of building up recently more of an industry around games like this and people have obviously you know begun to play madden in, in an esports type context which means there are tournaments which means there are people constantly playing it and trying to get better um and, and that sort of thing but i i think the interesting thing about all of this is that issue around um the deal with the nfl and the amount of money that players get um because one of the problems that EA has had is that they had an enormously successful series with the NCAA football games, but then due to a lawsuit, they weren't able to continue producing those games uh, because none of the the royalties were going back to the players for using their likeness, for using their stats and their abilities and that sort of thing. Uh, so what was happening was that uh, NCAA players were uh, finding that despite the fact that they weren't able to receive any royalties, that exact, like they were creating them exactly in video form, video game form. So if a player, uh, they wouldn't use their name, but if a player had like a, a, a visor across his eyes on his helmet and wore his pants a certain way or wore his jersey a certain way, they were replicating that in the game and creating the player to be the same height, the same weight, um, adjusting their abilities to be as similar to that player in real life and so there was a lawsuit because players weren't able to receive uh, any kind of royalties from that from their likeness being used they won that lawsuit so then the ncaa game had to go away so now madden you know is the preeminent football game nfl players are going to receive 500 million dollars as a part of this deal um so that's uh, that's a positive thing but uh, but it's just really interesting to see how that entire dynamic works and i think if ncaa was still like was still around it might have not dented the popularity of madden but it, it's certainly my preferred uh, football game of choice, uh, the NCAA version rather than the Madden version. But that's that's neither here nor there. What's interesting is the way that these deals work out and how the players end up profiting from their likeness on video games like this. Yeah. Well, that doesn't seem like it's been a problem then for uh, the NFL and for NFL players. Um, you know, They're already making millions. Uh, I mean, I guess... I guess not every player is paid like Tom Brady, but still, um, mm-hmm. you know, there there is some uh, nice amount of compensation there already, and um, uh, you know the the branding and the profiting off your likeness that is already totally loud and um, you know built into the structure of the NFL. So, uh, you know, I, I wonder what competition in the NFL video game world looks like versus the NCAA or college sports video game world. Um, yeah, like you said, uh, yeah. basically even moving forward, the NCAA still doesn't look like it plans on letting its players um, benefit or uh, you know profit off of their likeness on a video game or merchandising. 
Um, this is just another random aside that I wrote down, but it really caught my eye. The NCAA released a full report on uh, athlete compensation earlier this month. And though some of the changes were implemented to let athletes profit off of their likeness, uh, the video game licensing options or options, options, licenses and options <laughs> are still <laughs> limited. Um, athletes can't, and this is straight from this article I found, but quote, uh, athletes cannot partner with schools for NIL ventures, use school or conference logos in such endeavors, and are barred from entering group licensing deals. The restrictions, which are only recommendations at this point, would prevent the return of college video games while also making near impossible the wide distribution of trading cards and memorabilia like jerseys, end quote. Um, so, yeah, I just I I'm always curious to see how, uh, you know, these large scale video games affect the players and affect the uh the revenue-making arms of the institutions mm-hmm. because it seems like Madden has just been able to, you know, create their simulation game year after year without little competition or other options for a secondary football game. Um, and, you know, whether people like it or not, and it seems like most people do like the game for what it is, uh, that's what they're going to get. They're going to get the Madden game. So I wonder, you know, what does a, uh, a 2K NFL game look like? How does that change the landscape? And, you know, do the players care about this at all? Are they invested in whether or not their likeness is represented in a second video game? Does that benefit them? You know, I I think competition is good in terms of the quality of the game, right? If you have somebody come out and and do something different and, you know, kind of push the boundaries a little bit, then then you probably look at what you've been doing over the last several years and say, okay, are there ways that we can prove this? Are are there ways that we can do this better? I think for the athletes themselves, I I think Madden just being the gold standard is probably what everyone's going to continue to go to and uh, that just makes a lot of sense to me yeah um i actually i got a little bit of insight to this as well um while i know uh, not nearly as much about the nfl community as uh you might tyler i've got some uh, uh definitely sink my teeth into ea and the gaming industry a lot and really what you see in a lot of the sports franchises specifically and specifically with 2k um is a uh kind of a year after year clone or, you know, replication of the previous iteration of any game. You know, you might just update a little bit of, uh, you know, some of the aesthetics. You might have, you know, obviously jerseys and, you know, a few things that change, you know, from year to year. Uh, But the base, you know, core mechanics and functionality of the game, specifically in the sports simulator genre, um, have, have just remained very stagnant for essentially decades, at least, you know, a handful now. So um, it's we're now kind of at this point where many of the people who, you know, do engage in these games and, and uh, granted, you know, I think it's important to note that the people who play sports simulation games uh, make up a, a pretty wide and um, diverse group of people in gaming as opposed to the rest of the gaming sphere. People who play these uh, uh, this genre don't necessarily play other types of games or, you know, game um, as quote-unquote a gamer, so to speak. Uh, th- th- this might be the only type of game they interact with. Um, but there's been a lot of criticism about, you know, the, the stagnation of that industry and how there hasn't been a lot of innovation. And I think that having another competitor in here who's not looking to make a sports simulator, but maybe more of an arcade sports game, which um, isn't a new idea. You know, there's there's been huge success with, uh, you know, past installments, things like um, NBA and NFL Street and things like that that were, uh, you know, 
a little more on the fantastic side and the arcade side, um, but really appealed to a lot of people in, in that space. So um, I think that's a huge win for, for the industry and also, you know, some of the uh, people moving forward around the uh, uh, genre itself. So um, from that perspective, I, I think it's definitely very interesting. That's a really good point that you can't innovate too much away from, hey, this is a football game, you know, and and so Mm -hmm. there have been challenges in, okay, can we implement more storytelling? How do you, you know, change career modes and, and things like that? Uh, I know FIFA experimented in in recent editions, not with the latest one, but with kind of a story aspect where you play as a character, but you have this kind of backstory where you have to deal with family situations and endorsement Mm -hmm. deals and that sort of thing, just to try to incorporate a little bit more of what a traditional video game has in terms of cinematic scenes and storytelling and that kind of thing, which you don't really have with sports games. Like once you play... Um, The challenge for every sports game to a certain extent is, okay, you beat the game when you figure out that this play works every time. And so mm-hmm. each edition comes out, they try to make players smarter and, you know, utilize, uh, you know, different types of, uh, of programming and things along those lines. But, but to a certain extent, you, you buy a new game simply to see some updated graphics and to get updated stats on players, to have new players, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, if you play a game that was released in 2015 versus a 2020 edition, it's simply the same game just with better graphics now. And, uh, and so having some kind of innovation there is, is a positive thing, I think. Absolutely. Another quick little uh, pointer on this story that I want to highlight and maybe get some thoughts on, Tyler, if you can add anything to it. Uh, but, uh, you know, a big part of what allows for this decision-making to happen is the NFL Players Union signing off on these kinds of deals. So uh, there would be no Madden video game if the NFL's uh, Players Union didn't also agree uh, to there being a Madden video game and the player's likeness being represented on there. And the NFL Union hasn't only been making deals and decisions around video games recently. Uh, after optimistic talks about reopening their season, uh, this came from the NFL, the NBA, and the MLB, or excuse me, the NHL. Uh, the NFL now is dropping hints that players and coaches might be back to the field in a few weeks, but the NFL's players union said, no, no Sersky, no way, not yet, nothing's <laughs> official. Uh, J.C. Treader, he's the NFL Players Association president and a Cleveland Browns offensive lineman. He said, players, our union has not agreed to any reopening plan. Any reports about coming back to work are hypothetical. You will hear from the NFLPA when there are new developments. Uh, so, you know, very straightforward, very like, yeah, nice try. You can say we're coming back. But, you know, I haven't had that conversation yet. So nothing's for for certain. Nothing's official. Uh, I guess I, I wanted to get your take, uh, you know, being a uh, a super sports fan and uh, being in the sports reporting world, uh, how much power does the NFL's players union have in that kind of decision making within the industry to, in this case, it's advocating for player safety because of a health pandemic. But obviously, they're also making decisions about um, player likeness and um, compensation. So, you know, what are the dynamics for that players union within the NFL and how is it often viewed or treated? 
Yeah, so the the, the players union uh, does hold a lot of power. They collectively bargain uh, revenue agreements and, and and labor deals, basically the the way that most unions would. Um, you know, that include uh, you know provisions for player benefits and you know um, that sort of thing. Decide how salaries can be, or excuse me, how contracts can be structured in terms of salary and and, and things along those lines. So it does hold a, a lot of power. I'm. I think what we're seeing, though, is during this particular case with COVID-19 that it's so unprecedented in terms of the different things that are being thrown towards these uh, these leagues and these these groups that you almost have to throw out the CBA. And we're seeing that a lot in Major League Baseball, where owners are saying, hey, look, you know, if we are going to have a season, it's going to be much shorter. We're not going to have fans, which is a major revenue driver for us. So players, you're going to have to take, in some cases, like a 70 to 80% pay cut off of what your contract is. And players are saying, no, my contract is to play baseball. You are supposed to pay me X amount of dollars to play baseball you know, regardless of everything else happening in the world. And so with the NFL, I'm sure that on some level, owners are pushing for a redu- a reduction in salary you know uh, maybe across the board for for players simply because i think that if we do have football in the fall there won't be fans which again is another revenue driver for the nfl and so if owners aren't able to make that money then they're going to look at hey how do we reduce our costs and the primary cost is going to be how do we pay players less and so i think until they can come to an agreement on what is fair and what is right in this area there's not going to be a full agreement between the players union and the actual NFL. So this is going to, if it's anything like the way things are going in major league baseball right now, I think this is going to be a big battle and a big fight. And I wouldn't be surprised if it got somewhat ugly. Uh, major league baseball has already gotten really, really ugly. And I'm, I'm not sure what baseball is going to look like this coming season. Um, which at this point, the season should be about three months old and it's, it's obviously not. So, um, so there's a lot to discuss there, but players unions do hold a lot of power, do hold a lot of sway, and they will have to sign off on whatever plan is brought about to actually have sports, uh, have the NFL in the fall. And so we'll just have to wait and see exactly what that looks like. But I predict a, uh, a kind of knockdown drag out battle. interesting stuff man well thank you for that perspective appreciate it uh and yeah this is a multi-layered story and a lot of a lot of different um you know moving uh economic arms here so i think it's just uh, something to look out for we need to continue to monitor how uh the players union impacts the future of uh the nfl moving forward especially post pandemic i'm really interested to see the kind of decision making they make uh with their players best interest in mind and at heart uh we'll see if that's if that's actually the case though right you know what i mean right because yeah right you can view that that is what you would hope for and that is what the power structure incentivizes is for the players union to obviously represent the players right Uh, but i mean what what would be um what would be the situation there where you see them acting uh not in the best interest of their players and why do you think there might be a dynamic there that would be acting not in the best interest of their players. Uh, owners are, you know, owners own football teams to make money. And in some cases, it's an ego thing where they're not in it so much to make money as much as they are just to be famous and to sit there in their box and, and own a football team. But more than anything, they know that they're going to lose a ton of money if there isn't an NFL season. So 
NFL rosters are 53 players. And then think about the amount of coaches that you have. You probably have 10 to 15 coaches on a coaching staff. And then you have trainers and um, people that deal with the equipment and that sort of thing. So when you're traveling with a football team, you're probably traveling with a group of what, 120 to 150 people or so. Um, And so I I think any... I think any attempt to uh, to try to get a group of people that big together and then play a sport where contact and, uh, you know, running into each other is what it is, you know, th- that's just the nature of the sport. I think that any attempt to try to play before there's absolute certainty that that players will be able to be kept safe, that, that coaches, that, uh, you know, that trainers, that sort of thing are able to be, um, you know, kept safe. I, I, I suppose like a vigorous testing regimen. But my problem with that is that if you're testing every NFL player and everybody involved with every NFL organization every week, you're probably testing thousands of people. And I haven't seen a robust enough testing network for just the general public that should suggest that the NFL should all of a sudden be receiving, you know, thousands upon thousands of tests for its players and personnel just so we can have football this fall. So I, I, there are a lot of issues and a lot of problems in there for me just in, you know, whether or not football should go forward this fall if there's not able to be a guarantee of, of the safety of, of players, I suppose. But, you know, Daniel, you you might not be necessarily a football guy or a sports guy, but what you are is somebody who knows a lot about labor and a lot about, you know, protecting employees and protecting workers. So if you take this out of the football context and just put it into the same context of these are people that are paid to do a job, they have a collectively bargained labor agreement between themselves and their employer, the NFL, you know, it, you can view it in, in just a very normal everyday context. Take away the fact that they all sign million dollar contracts and that sort of thing. These are still, you know, workers performing a task that they are paid to do at the end right. of the day. Right, for sure. And yeah, if the union is advocating for getting them to play sooner than is, uh, uh, you know, feasible or uh, safe with uh, our current COVID-19 restrictions, then yeah, I totally agree. That would be... Uh, that would be an issue. And I think we often see, uh, you know, the, the remaining labor unions in our country uh, can also be distorted in ways. And it's not like just because a union exists that they are always 100% advocating with their players' best interests at heart because union leadership also, uh, you know, has its own uh, agenda, I guess, for... for uh, you know, I don't know, lack of a better way to explain that without sounding kind of conspiratorial. But, you know, it's just kind of the way the dynamics work. There's leadership, there's membership, and often uh, end goals and who is really putting pressure on you to act can change if there isn't a structure to encourage, um, you know, powerful uh, labor, I guess, right? So right. Uh, if the NFL Players Union is, you know, one of... Th- several uh, remaining major unions in the United States and overall union membership is way down in the United States, then, you know, you might expect that, you know, the players union isn't going to have a ton of uh, mm, maybe community to, uh, you know, pull strategy and pull um, influence and also feel pressure from. And that can probably lead to some decision making that doesn't always just benefit you know the health and safety of the players and to that uh to that point 
we've been having conversations about player safety, concussions, mm-hmm. and just the overall viability of the future of football for years now. And, you know, how has the players union been involved in those conversations? Uh, clearly not enough substantively has changed about the actual flow of the game or the gear of the game. So it doesn't seem like right. there's been a lot of pressure there from them on that. I'm not saying 100% for certain because I'm not super well researched on the topic, but you know, I, I think that's a good example for, okay, well, yeah, if there is a players union representing the safety of the players, why are we still having these, uh, large-scale conversations about whether or not the sport itself is sustainable and safe mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, if whether or not it's killing its players. So, boom, you know, that is that is to your point. It's a great uh, point. I think a dynamic that still needs some monitoring. I think you're absolutely right about that. There's a, there's a lot to talk about that. That's probably a different topic for a different day, but, no, you're right, you're right to bring that up as well. Totally. This was a snippet from Business Casual with Daniel Litwin and Tyler Kern, your B2B morning radio show. Tune in Wednesdays and Fridays at 9 a.m. Central on the Simple Radio app or marketscale.com slash industries.